The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We will talk about the William Contreras move, what it means for the Brewers, what could be potentially next, and much more. We'll also discuss the Packer playoff simulator. We are putting our faith in the Indianapolis Colts and the Cleveland Browns. Yikes. We'll talk about that. We'll get into that much more in later in the show. And then we'll talk about Bucks Warriors. Mostly, is it less likely or more likely that we will see a Bucks Warriors NBA Finals matchup. Who knows? Maybe some Chuck's Corner at the end about Christmas shopping, time management, the whole thing. Just it's been a little bit of a rough start for you, boy. Uh, so we'll maybe talk about that at the end if there is time. I uh, want to remind you guys to follow us on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram and TikTok. I did a little thing where I said to subscribe to us. I'm not sure it exactly worked out well. Uh, the, yeah, the views weren't great on either of them. So maybe the powers that be at TikTok and Instagram did not like that. But if you're coming in from either uh, channel, I appreciate that. Uh, we still are cooking on that Aaron Rodgers video from the Patriots. We're nearing, I, I wouldn't say we're nearing, but we're close to 400,000. Um, so I wouldn't say we're nearing half a million, but we're definitely nearing 400,000. Uh, we've picked up a lot of follows in, in the past week, week plus. So I appreciate those who are now following along, who are joining the family. Uh, hopefully you guys decided to tune into the podcast as well. Uh, also, if you are new to the show, you can subscribe Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you're already subscribed, you know the deal. Make sure that you're reviewing uh, our show. Uh, we'd really appreciate more people knowing about it. And if you don't want to do the review, just talk about us at your Christmas parties. Whether it's your holiday party at work, whether it is your uh, family party, just talk about it with the, the sports fans in your life. We'd really appreciate you guys spreading the word. And we're hopefully going to try to do more for our own benefit here in the next coming year. All right, let's waste no more time and let's talk about William Contreras. The Milwaukee Brewers decided to join the party. The Milwaukee Brewers had not made a true offseason move uh, up until yesterday. And some of the fan base was being very cranky about this whole thing. Um, it was a lot of negativity going on in the Brewers' mention, especially when they're announcing different concerts, whether it be Morgan Wallen, whether it be Pink. People were frustrated and mad that the Brewers had not made any overtures for next season. What was reminded by Brewers beat writer Adam McCalvey is that it is a long offseason and that is a four-month offseason. That moves are going to happen. Mitch and I talked about it last week on Tapping the Keg podcast where we said, like, look, there, is go there are going to be moves. The Brewers are not just going to sit in their hands and roll out the exact same team from last year. That's just not going to happen. They're always going to look for improvements. Craig Council last week at the winter meetings basically said we have to do it differently, but we want to compete at the same level that we have been for the last five years. And I think for the first time in a couple of years, the collective fan base is all on board with the Brewers bringing in William Contreras. I do not see one person upset about this deal. I really don't. I saw somebody's like, the Brewers aren't going to sign free agents now, uh, which is just loser talk. Like, who cares, right? Like, that that doesn't matter. And we'll get into third base. And I, I, I do think there is an area of opportunity there. But William Contreras is a major move. That is a move you make not only for today, but for 2024, for 2025, it is a core building move for the Brewers. And Contreras is a hell of a player. 
And yes, he has one full year of big league ball under his belt. And that he did not play as much as, say, some of the other catchers in baseball. But the skill set is there. Offensively, he is a juggernaut for what the Brewers have been last season. Uh, I think Alicia Turksky uh, pointed out that if Contreras was on the 2022 Brewers, he would have ranked first in a ton of offensive categories. So it gives you an idea of how important Contreras can be to this offense. And he now goes to another good hitting environment in Milwaukee. He's not going to have any trouble here. And also, he mashes against left-handers. So there's a ton to like, and the Brewers got him for virtually nothing. They gave up Terry Ruiz, and according to Kurt Hogg, Oakland was enamored with Ruiz. They thought Ruiz had true potential and wanted to take a shot on Ruiz. Even though some of the AAA metrics on him when he went to Nashville, got out of El Paso, which has some of the altitude stuff that you'll see in Colorado, uh, it it wasn't great. The rate rate of return wasn't ideal. But Oakland believed that they could fix Ruiz and thought that Ruiz was potentially a big league player right out the gate. And I wouldn't be surprised if he starts for the A's, you know, in April. Like, I I could definitely see a possibility for that. And that's all it took. It was not adding Willie Adamas, which I thought might happen because there was some loser who was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be Willie Adamas and Sean Murphy to Atlanta, which didn't happen. And even if they would have dealt Willie Adamas, I could have probably come to you today and built a case that this is an okay move if you're planning to sign Woodruff and potentially sign Burns. And if you're trying to sign both, which I don't think you could do, even if you got rid of Adamas, I still would admire the opportunity. I still admire the the Brewers taking a shot at that and if they were clearing the deck for that type of opportunity. But we don't even have to talk about that because they didn't do that. All they did was deal Ruiz. That's it. And they ended up getting, not only they get Contreras, but they got Kyle Yeager from Atlanta, who has some potential. Uh, He's a double-A pitcher, but he had a crazy high strikeout rate. All the guy does is strikeout batters. And then you got Joel Papias. Papias? Hopefully I pronounced his name right. I, I probably did not. I probably butchered that. But he is a middle reliever, and the Brewers definitely need that. The Brewers could definitely use that. I mean, they lost Trevor Gott. I mean, if you're just saying, all right, one for one, right, if we're just rearranging deck chairs here, uh, and you're like, okay, Joel uh, replaces Trevor, like, there you go. Okay, that that's problem solved. I didn't know, even know Trevor Gott went to Seattle, by the way, uh, until I was looking at, like, all the moves that were made uh, in preparation for the show with Mitch last week. So the Brewers, back to Contreras stuff. Contreras adds an element that was missing from Milwaukee's offense. You get a guy who not only is a good power hitter, but also a good offensive weapon in general. And, you know, yes, there are some strikeout issues. He's a young hitter. They're going to be. But a guy that you can routinely put as your fourth or fifth hitter every day and replace really the production of Hunter Renfro, if you will. And I would say a more exciting version with a ton of upside and a ton of potential that I I think you know what you're getting with Hunter Renfro, right? 
I think you now have a guy in Contreras that you know can be a hot bat, can be a guy that can you know work with the Brewers' hitting instructors, can work with their defensive catchers, and be open to feedback. I don't know if Hunter Renfro was really open to feedback. I'd kind of heard that, and I I think that's that that fits right. There's a reason the guy's on five teams in five years. I had someone weirdly, which I. Again, this is conspiracy chalk, but I had someone weirdly in my TikTok comments talk about how he's not a clubhouse problem. Guy had like two followers, basically like told me to fuck off. And this was like weeks after the Hunter Renfro trade. And I was like, is this a Hunter Renfro burner that I don't know about? Like, is this a burner TikTok that I, I just, I didn't go any further with it. I just was like, all right, this is interesting. Out of the fucking blue was someone just telling me to fuck off about Hunter Renfro not being a clubhouse, being a clubhouse problem. So then that is like, it just got my brain really, really on a totally different path here. But like, yeah. So Contreras gets you kind of what you had with Renfro and obviously a lot more. And so there you go. And Jesse Winker, obviously another ad for the Brewers where Jesse Winker can add more offensive element. And all of a sudden you're looking at a Brewers lineup that has a lot of power and a lot of hitting towards it. And you seem improved from last year. And now we don't know exactly what we're going to get with the young guys, but you also have that element of it where it could either take off or it's going to be a tough couple of months as these guys get acclimated to the MLB. And that's why I would advocate building more veterans around those young guys to have a blend of it. One of my biggest beefs with last season was the Brewers not infusing their young talent with their veterans. It was something Philadelphia did. Like, if you listen to Kyle Schwarber, I think Kyle Schwarber said it. It might have been Bryce Harper, whatever. It doesn't matter. In October, when they were doing those in, like, in dugout interviews, they asked them, like, what was it about the turnaround? And it's like, we took some of our young guys, we brought them up, mixed them with our old guys, and it really helped some of the older guys. Like, it kind of brought them back to why they play baseball and baseball being fun. And I think... When the Josh Hader shit happened, you needed more Garrett Mitchells in that clubhouse because yes, it did wreck the clubhouse. I was wrong about that. If you go back and listen to my Hader stuff, I was like, ah, oh, the clubhouse fine. They're professionals. They get it. No, I was fucking wrong on that. Like Hader mattered to that clubhouse and then that was a mistake by me. So the Brewers should have done that last year. Now this year, they're probably going to bring up some of those guys, whether it's Freelich, whether it's Terang, whether it's Mitchell, whether it's all three. They're going to need to insulate that with some of the some veterans. And they have some. I think there's work still needed to be done. And Contreras is just another young, vibrant player that adds to that mix. Now, I think for some Brewer fans that they didn't really like his brother. And I didn't like his brother either. And I'm not a huge fan of his brother. That said, he, he's part of the family now. So I, I, do I like Wilson Contreras a little bit better? No, will Wilson Contreras understand that we're not trying to pitch in on him because his brother is probably going to communicate with him? Like, hey, like this, it's not what you think. That's just how they pitch you, man. You're hanging over the plate. Like, maybe Wilson stops his beef with us. I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly have to see. And I'm not worried at all about Williams' catching issues. He's not a great defender. He's, he's average at best. The Brewers have a great defensive catcher coach that has helped Yasmani Grandal, that has helped Omar Narvaez. 
I, I doubt I, I doubt that he will struggle helping Contreras. It might take a couple week, months. It might take a little while, but I'm okay with that. And if they want to keep Victor Carantini, great. If Maurice, Maurice, uh, Maurice, if Mario Feliciano wants to win the job from Carantini as a backup catcher, I'm all for that idea. You can use Contreras as a DH for against left-handers. I think this is a pretty simple thing the Brewers can do where they say, all right, Jesse, Winker, you have the night off. I think Winker's going to be your DH. And then you say, okay, Feliciano's behind the, behind the dish and Contreras is your DH. I'm not ready to say Keston Hura has a spot on this roster. I just, I, I think either he could be used in a trade or the Brewers are just kind of done with it. I love Keston Hura. Don't get me wrong. I just, Craig Council and him don't get along. Why? I don't know. I think it's going to be a mistake. I think they're going to rue the day. They let Keston Hero walk. But I, I just, there is something there that there is a disconnect. And it, it has not been solved. And it's going to pain me to watch Keston Hero on another team, whether it's like the Tigers or the fucking Royals, just light it up. And it, it's, it's going to happen. I, I know it. I, I've seen this shit before. Um, and it drives me nuts. And I just know there's nothing I can do. Because I'm just a guy with a podcast uh, working, doing this on the side from his day daytime job. So there you have it, right? Uh, but yes, the Brewers still have moves to make, right? I, I don't think they're done by any shape of the imagination. Now, the the negative fan which we have to like come up with a name. Like we all Packer Pinheads, right? Um, and maybe my guy Brent, shout out Brent, uh, new listener to the show recently, and he's reached out on a couple things and really appreciates the support. Maybe you can help me with this, but like, I gotta think about it. But basically it's pinheads. Um, and the Brewer pinheads uh, will be like, oh, this is the only move they're gonna make. And you know, that's so untrue, right? There are mo more moves to be made. I think the Brewers have a whole third base. I know Luis Urias played there last year. I know Luis, Luis Urias can play there this year. I would prefer him to be the second baseman. Uh, have him battle that out with Bryce Trang. I don't think Trang is exactly ready to be a starter out the box. So I think the Trang versus Urias spring training matchup sounds good to me. And it's like, what do you do at that third base position? I think there are a couple options here. Um, when I when I look at it, there's not a ton of free agents. Evan Longoria is out there. Uh, he can't hit right-handers. Like he physically cannot hit right-handers anymore. So I'm out on that. Justin Turner, um, I, another guy where if you had Justin Turner to this roster and you had a Contreras brother, that's like really tempting. Like a lot of assholes who I've I've hated in previous past. I never hated William Contreras, for example. I just hated his fucking brother. So you're you're really tempting fate here with this. But also Justin Turner's old. He is a fossil. I just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not down with that. I'll just put it that way. I I was down with it last year. Um, you got a year older. I'm not, I'm not in support. The guy also feels like a Cali guy. Walker Bueller laughed at us that he we he wasn't gonna come to Milwaukee. Um, so I'm just out on the idea of Justin Turner. I think he made us look like fools last year. I'm not gonna get fooled again by some decrepit fossil. Um, it, the other guys that I, I have interest in, the one guy free agency wise that really is the big name is Brandon Drury. Brandon Drury, 30 years old, had an awesome year with Cincinnati before getting traded to the San Diego Padres. Did not have as significant of an impact with the Padres uh, after getting traded, but I think you could get Drury for a pretty good price. I think that you still have potential there. Um, I worry slightly 
about that was it just Great American Ballpark and he's basically Scooter Gannett where he ha- he's only good in a band box of a stadium. I know it's pretty easy to hit an AmFam, but still, uh, I-, I would have a little bit of concern. And that's a, partly a concern about Winker, although Winker has very good numbers here at AmFam. So there there is that slight concern that Winker was only able to do it in Cincinnati. Um, I think you would worry the same thing about Drury just a little bit because the guy was a journeyman before like becoming a damn near all-star uh, with Cincinnati last year. So I, I, he's on the radar though, for sure. Also because he can play a ton of positions. He can play second base, he can play a little bit of outfield. Uh, Craig Council loves that shit. Um, no one loves that more than Craig Council. So that to me, he just seems like a brewer. He just seems like he makes sense. And then you're, you clear the deck with Urias. Another guy that I think would be worth taking a risk on, I think reviewing the Brew had it a couple weeks ago, was Yandy Diaz from the Tampa Bay Rays. And Yandy is awesome. Like, very good against lefties. Uh, 14 home runs, nearly 300 average, takes a ton of walks. Um, not exactly great defensively. Um, so that would be a, a little bit of a concern and a wonder if the Brewers would do that because they do value defense, although it was not great last season. That was kind of one of those low-key things about the Brewers and also part of the reason why I think they traded Colt Long. I think they don't think he has it anymore defensively, uh, but that's here and right there. Uh, I think with Diaz, it would be a move. You'd have to obviously give something up, right, um, to the – to the Tampa Bay Rays, you'd have to give something up that was pre-arb, uh, whether that was a top, I don't know if you need a top prospect for Yandy Diaz, but he's a, he's a pretty talented guy, right? And you you certainly would want to give the Brewer, the Rays something, or the Rays would want something back. And he's a, the reason why the Rays might trade him, at least from the review and the Brew perspective, was that he will make the most in arbitration for the Rays. The Rays have a ton of guys in arbitration, and that they would probably be not willing to pay that or nor would they want to. But who knows? Maybe the Rays approach is a little bit different. Like they signed Zach Eflin to a three-year, $40 million deal. So maybe they're opening up their checkbooks a little bit more than what they have in the past. But we'll, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like Yandi would be an interesting and intriguing option for the Brewers that I think would go a long way at the third baseman, at the third base position. So we'll see. What happens there, I just would not want to start with Luis Urias at third base. I think that is that is the like big thing for me. I'll also just throw this out there, um, which we're long on the Brewers, but that happens sometimes. If Matt Arnold calls up Chime Blue and says, hey, I will trade you Willie Adamas straight up for Rafael Devers. A, who says no? B, is that a fair trade? I have no idea. I'm not. I didn't put it in the trade machine. You guys can do that for me. Um, what's the conversation like? Does Bloom hang up? Does he say fuck off? Does he say, "All right, let me get back to you"? Like, do they have conversations? Like, I don't know. I, I think with Trang being ready and Devers being a very, very good player, you had Devers to this lineup. Like, well. I mean, it's a little bit better than Willie Adamas, in my opinion. Um, but I do also think Adamas is the emotional leader of this team. I just wonder, I do wonder if that would shake up the clubhouse a little bit too much. And obviously a little bit more sensitive to that, considering what happened with the hater trade. But just food for thought out there. I, I do not think the Brewers are done. I think they have made well here. Um, as pointed out by a lot of people, I'm not the first, that... The Brewers are a winner in a trade that involved a gold glove catcher who went from the A's to the Braves. And that's 
kind of incredible that the Brewers were just able to swoop in and not really do much. So Matt Arnold, big time statement. I, I do wonder if this will, you know, make people think differently about Matt Arnold. If, however, Matt Arnold is, you know, working these guys, and we'll just see, and we'll see if if that's something that he can take advantage of. Also pointed out, I, gosh, we're long on this, but I, I did want to call this out. My buddy Eric uh, pointed this out to me. He said this is a. He told me this is a free topic for me, so I appreciate this. And and it's not even a topic. It's just a little after like footnote of our Contreras conversation. Is the Gomez fire trade the best of all time? Seven years of Hater rolled into five years of Contreras plus Hauser plus Mike Mustakis, who we got for Brett Phillips. You have to at least acknowledge. I mean, you didn't win a World Series, right? At least not now. You know, if William Contreras ends up getting us a World Series, then yes, I have to say it's the best trade of all time. But if you don't win a World Series, it's, I, I don't think you can call it the best. But it is one of the most impactful trades in MLB history. You can't deny that. The fact of all the tentacles, how it led to now basically getting 12 years of service for two players who are both all-stars for the greater greater good. You also added other all-star talent. You added starting pitching that was solid. Like Adrian Hauser, I know, struggled last year, but they, there have been good moments with Adrian Hauser. We've needed Adrian Hauser. So I, I, I have to acknowledge that. Also, too, as we mentioned later as we were talking about it, Domingo Santana was something for a little bit there. And, yeah, just an incredible trade. And you also think about the what-if the New York Mets trade Wilmer Flores for Gomez and weren't worried about Gomez's medicals. How does that change everything? Are you able to still trade fires to Houston? Would Hader have been included in that? Would it just have been Domingo Santana and Adrian Hauser? Would you have had to trade somebody else to get Hader involved? Like total, like maybe the biggest what if in Brewer history, honestly. Uh, so I, I've, do acknowledge that, yeah, that's a huge impact. And also, too, last, last thought, the hater trade has now been won by both teams. Padres got chesty, was like, we won the hater trade, we won the hater trade, you gave, we gave up nothing, yada, yada. Well, they were able to trade one of those guys in the hater trade for an all-star back. So they got Josh Hader back for essentially now seven players. Uh, Jaeger, Payamas, I think it's Payamas. I want to say papaya, but it's not papaya. Uh, Payamas, uh, Jaeger, Contreras, uh, Ruiz, who obviously was moved, Gasser, Rogers. They did DFA Lament, but that's that's a huge haul for a guy who pitches twice a week, three times a week. So, I, and we'll see what happens. You know, if the Padres are able to re-sign Hader and they were able to get a World Series, then yeah, and Hader was a missing piece, you have to say, yeah, Padres won it. But if the Brewers are able to, if Gosser becomes a stud, I think he's going to be really good. Um, he's like a year away from being, uh, I think, a rotational piece. Um, he Or a, a trade piece where you can flip him for even more value. Um, but yeah, I think Gosser is really solid. And, and you now have moved on to another all-star. So you basically all-star for all-star. And you have to give Matt Arnold a ton of credit. And I think he has made his official stamp on the Brewers organization. Moving on to the Packer playoff simulator. We do this every Tuesday. We look at kind of how week 14 and the weeks prior have shaken up and see if the Packers have a realistic shot to get to the playoffs. I still have the Packers out. 
I, obviously, there is a path. Um, there is a way in. Uh, the Packers have to run the table. Uh, but I have a hard time, even if they do run the table, um, seeing them get in. And we are going to be bungled by the tie. Um, that's unfortunate, right? Uh, the Giants I have in as the seventh team at nine and seven. And there are two th- there are two things that we really, really need to focus on. Number one, we cannot have Dallas lose to Jacksonville this week. It is imperative that the Cowboys beat the Jaguars. I'll tell you why. Because Dallas right now is two games back of Philadelphia, right? Dallas welcomes Philadelphia to town Christmas Eve. It's going to be one of the biggest games of the year. Everyone's looking forward to it. Uh, Everybody will be fully healthy, hopefully, both sides. Jalen Hurts could be his MVP game, like the one where we decide if Jalen Hurts is the MVP uh, versus that Dallas team that will have Dak Prescott back that had been cooking before you know, a Texans game that was kind of just a, I think really a Dallas team that looked ahead, looked past, right? Damian Woody talked about it on Ryan Rossell's podcast yesterday where he's like, yeah, they're trap games. They exist. They're called trap games for a reason. That was a trap for Dallas. And I saw like first take doing their first take thing where they're like, oh, does Dallas deserve to win? Well, fuck no. Like, but there are games where in, any, in really every sport where you win, win when you're not supposed to. So anyways, we need Dallas to win because they need to keep pace with Philadelphia. And then we need Dallas to beat Philadelphia because if Dallas beats Philadelphia, then week 18 matters. We need week 18 to matter in the NFC East so that Dallas and and Philly will play the Giants and the Commanders at full strength. Because if they don't, then that's almost a free win for the Giants and the Commanders. Now, could Gardner Minshew do it for us uh, against the Giants? Yeah, potential, because the Giants aren't very good. And so maybe Gardner Minshew's some of all parts and Devonta Smith and other guys that they'll play, Quez Watkins, things like that, you know, maybe they just rise up and are able to beat that Giants team, even if they're not taking it too seriously. Now, who knows? Nick Sirianni is a crazy person, right? Nick Sirianni is just, I mean, uh, Ben Solak of the Ringer calls him the Pander King. I don't really like Nick Sirianni that much. I think he's a dickhead. I know he got mad at LaFleur, um, but Sirianni, I I don't know. Maybe he doesn't rest his guys. Maybe he goes full bore and he's like, I don't want another NFC East team in the playoffs. Like Giants are a rival. We got to beat our rival. And Sirianni helps us out there. And maybe then an enemy becomes a friend, right? Um, that That's the part that worries me because I can't put full faith that the Giants are going to lose to the Indianapolis Colts at home. The Giants have a tough-ish schedule, right? The Giants have to play the Commanders, and I think it would behoove us for the Commanders to win that game. And then the Giants go to Minnesota. Uh, that will not be easy when they face the Vikings. Short week two, um, and an even shorter week when you think about it, when they're playing primetime, which is 820 on the East Coast, you get done, and you got to go right back to work because that game's on Saturday. Everything's pushed up because they don't want a full slate of games on Christmas Day. Which is an interesting thing, and you know we could always talk about. It. They've done that forever, where they would rather play on Christmas Eve than Christmas Day. And I don't know if that is just based on what they what did they tell us about Christmas Eve. I don't know. I do a lot of stuff on Christmas Eve, or I have, um, but that's just the way it goes. I, I've I have no idea. I would love to know from the league why that is. Um, just out of, out of sheer curiosity, I guess 
off some offices are open some things are open christmas eve it's it is a saturday this year so it's a little different but anyways besides the point giants have to then go to minnesota and then they're home for indianapolis before their nfc east matchup i don't trust indianapolis to care i mean yeah maybe jeff saturday can rally the troops but you're telling me matt ryan against that giants blitz that does not sound like a great combination then on the other side of it washington even if, if Washington were to stumble against the Giants, then they do play San Francisco. Um, again, not not easy at all. Uh, and San Francisco doesn't look like they missed a beat with Brock Purdy, which we talked about yesterday at length. But then they play Cleveland at home. And I don't know if you've seen Deshaun Watson the first two weeks, but it has not been pretty. And you could make the case that maybe after, that would be now Deshaun's fourth game, right? Because he'll play Baltimore this week and then he'll play Washington the following week that maybe at that point Deshaun Watson will start feeling good again and that the layoff, the rust will start to knock off. That would be the best case scenario for Packer fans, right? But it's it's hard to determine that. And then again, you have Dallas who might have less to play for than Philadelphia. There's also, I guess, an outside shot of Philly were to say lose to the Bears and then they were lose to the Cowboys where they could be in danger of losing the one seed uh, from whether it be the Niners or the Vikings. Now, granted, they have a tiebreaker over the Niners. I'm not sure how the tiebreakers work with them and the Niners. So yes, there could be that area of opportunity in week 18 too, but the Cowboys potentially could be you know, basically locked in that five seed uh, in week 17, week 18. So those are the things that are imperative for the Packers. I'm not worried about the Detroit Lions. I do think if the Lions get hot and I don't, I have the Jets winning that game. Uh, if Mike White doesn't play, I don't know. Um, that changes at least a little bit of how I think about it. But I just think that the Lions are going to get a ton of smoke. I think that line, the Lions will be road favorites in New York against a very good Jets team who's also fighting for a playoff spot. And whether it's Mike White or Joe Flacco in there or Zach Wilson, I, I don't know if it's going to be Zach Wilson. Uh, I just, I don't know if I can trust Jared Goff on the road in what will be a cold New York. If people f- forget, Jared Goff cannot play in cold weather. Jared Goff hates cold weather. He is like a skin a skinless cat. He just cannot play in those type of temperatures. And I believe it is going to be fucking chilly this weekend across Midwest and upper Midwest. Let's pull up the weather. So unfortunately, it doesn't get as cold as I wanted to for uh, the skinless cat, Jared Goff, 38 degrees on Sunday. So not, not as cold as I would have liked, but it's okay. Um, that's... Still, I just, I don't know how you can trust the Lions on the road. Just seems, you know, same old Lions. We know what's going to happen here, um, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe it won't. Maybe, maybe they'll prove us wrong and maybe the, the Lions will keep rolling. But yeah, it could potentially be a winner-take-all game for the Green Bay Packers against Detroit the last game of the season. Well, that obviously is way far out and you need a lot to happen. As for Seattle, I, I don't know how you can invest in Seattle going forward they have a very tough schedule even though they have four of the next four three of the last four at home you know they have to play San Francisco on a Thursday short week um, they also can't stop the run anymore and they face a team that can really run the football with Christian McCaffrey I feel like that spells a ton of trouble for them uh, they also play the Jets I realize it's an ultimate Geno Smith revenge game but at some point you have to break away from the narrative and say the Jets are just a better team than the Seattle Seahawks. And so, yes, there there's that element. Um, the Rams, obviously, a little bit better, which Packers have to worry about. 
And and so yeah, there there's still a lot of work to be done, right? And I saw Cheesehead TV was like, just beat the Rams, fuck the playoffs, just beat the Rams. And I, I agree with that. Like, can't look past the Rams. You can't just say, all right, beat. You know, we have Miami the following week. Like, that's the game that's going to matter. But you have to just think it's one and zero every week. I realize Baker Mayfield had this incredible drive, and it was really good for the Friday media cycle, and everybody loved it. But the Rams were pretty bad. Um, before that and so and Baker Mayfield was bad and, and got released for a reason right so one good drive to me does not just immediately absolve what we saw from Baker Mayfield all season this year for from the Packer perspective so Packers just need to get their job done and I think that game um, we probably won't be able to talk storylines I'm doing keg jams tomorrow but that game just going to come down to first quarter quarter and a half of that game because it's going to be cold. It's not It's not going to be nice. These LA boys are not going to be feeling great in the cold of Lambeau. It is projected to be 19 degrees for a high on Monday with a low of 7. Yes, that is exactly what you want with the Rams coming to town. That is perfect, right? And then they have Miami, and Miami starting to kind of show a little bit of cracks and... You just wonder how beat up the Dolphins will be after a third straight road game going to Buffalo and then coming home to face the Packers. Packers in a must-win spot. Dolphins will likely be also in a must-win spot. People have kind of figured out Tua and Mike McDaniel. I don't know if Joe Barry is going to figure them out, but I'm a little less scared of Joe Barry versus Mike McDaniel than I was like a week, week, week ago. And then you play the Vikings at home, and the Vikings defense has been an absolute sieve the last few weeks and the Vikings can't close the door on the division, which is low key kind of funny. Uh, I assume they will this week uh, when they play the Colts, but again, Colts, I, I do. I just, I think that's actually, I will end with this. Like if the Colts show us some life against the Vikings, I'll feel a lot better about the Giants game in a couple of weeks. Um, I just think that's a really important game to just pay attention to. I, I still think the Vikings will win that game, uh, but if the Colts like are frisky and they hang around and they don't look lifeless. Like they don't look like they've already booked their trip to Cancun. I will feel a lot better about that Giants game in a couple of weeks than I would uh, if it, you know, if they just lay down. The Vikings win like thirty-one to ten or something like that. Then I'll be like, oh fuck. Like that's we just have to chalk that up to the New York Football Giants. All right, last part of the show. Uh, we have the Bucks and Warriors tonight. We'll talk about it a lot with Shannon in a, in the keg jams as part of the recap of the game. But I just, what I wanted to wonder out loud is if it was more likely or less likely that we would get a Warriors Bucks finals with Steph and Clay being involved, the Splash Brothers versus the Milwaukee Bucks. I think, obviously, because of Father Time, you wonder if it would be less likely than some of the other Western Conference foes, right? I, I can't say right now that Golden State looks like a finals contender. They did play well against Boston over the weekend. Um, they're kind of showing signs on uh, at home, but it seems like every time they take a couple steps forward, they get knocked down. Like they had that bad jazz loss last week on the road. They still have been a bad road team. They haven't essentially established themselves on the road. So to feel like the Warriors are the chief contender in the Western Conference this year, I, I can't I, I can't physically say that. I mean, obviously, yes, they will be pretty solid at some point 
um, and figure it all out. But they're 2-11 and 11 on the road. And so until that happens, I can't say, oh yeah, the Warriors are the team to beat in the West and the team that the Bucs should look at as a finals opponent. And we might just never get it. And this happens a lot. And we've talked about this in the past with LeBron and Giannis, where it's like, these hypothetical matchups just never come to fruition because of a hundred different variables. Uh, you know, player gets hurt, team's not as good as he thought they were. Um, the you know there is another team that gets hot at the right time and they end up being that team and representative for the Eastern or Western Conference. So I look at this and I say, all right, yeah, I'm. I understand the I understand the opportunity and I think there's fun hypotheticals to talk about and it's a fun matchup I think it's been dominated mostly by the home team uh the Bucks won by like 30 or 40 last year at home and then they lost by double digits in Golden State a month or two later so it, it has been a very home-centric matchup uh, the Bucks also had that 24 and 1 victory where they beat the Warriors team that was undefeated at the time that was going for the record um, and the Bucks shut them down on a Saturday night I remember I was at a holiday party when that happened, uh, I think we had—I can't remember if we had the game on or not—but that was that was definitely one of those small inflection points of the Bucks season where you're like, okay, maybe maybe this is something. But yeah, I am I'm less encouraged that you'd see a finals matchup of the Bucks Warriors. Ellie, I think if it's going to happen, it, it would have to be in the next couple of years. I don't know what the next generation of Golden State looks like. I think everyone expected Golden State's next generation to take a step. This year with Marcus Moody as well as uh, Jonathan Kaminga, but it just ha- it ha- and James Wiseman and it hasn't happened, and so I think that's the uncertainty of that. If those guys looked like they were going to be you know legitimate dudes, then I would I'd be more likely to say okay, this is going to be a a good team, right? That they, oh it's Moses Moody. I was like Marcus Moody didn't sound right, and I looked it up. It's Moses. Uh, but yeah, it, that, those guys have not looked apart yet, and I, I think I think that's part of the reason why I'm a little less hesitant to say, oh yeah, Golden State's a team the Bucks are going to see in the finals for years to come. Now they play Memphis later this week. I think it'd be more likely you'd see Memphis, right? Um, I think with Morant and and Jaron Jackson, Desmond Bain, like they have a promising young big three where it. It makes sense that the Grizzlies would find themselves in a finals sooner rather than later. John Moran talks a lot of shit, though, uh, for a guy who's done absolutely nothing in the league. I uh, saw his comments yesterday about, like, oh, I'm able to get in the pain as a smallest guy because motherfuckers can't hold me. It's like, dude, win something first before you're talking, right? So I think you would, pretend, there is potential in Memphis. I think there's potential with New Orleans. I'm fascinated by that New Orleans matchup later this week, which is, I think, next Monday. So awesome day of sports um, next Monday night with the Pelicans and Bucks, as well as the Rams and Packers. So that'll be a good one. I think Nuggets, there is, I'm not there yet with the Nuggets. I would probably put the Nuggets with that less likely category if you were doing with the Warriors. I just, until like I can see them play legitimate defense with the guys they have, I'm not ready to buy it. They're an offensive juggernaut with Murray fully healthy, with when Porter's there and, and Jokic, obviously. But I, I'm not there to just be like, yeah, this team has enough defense to win in the finals. Uh, is there anyone else? Clippers, I, I just think the time's running out on them. I was really impressed with how they played against Boston. I liked them in that matchup that they were getting five. I, I was all over that, which was a nice play by me. But yeah, I... 
I, I'm not ready to buy in on that. And Dallas, absolutely not. Um, I, I just, it's Jason Kett. And so, yeah, I think that's kind of, if I were to like rate it, like more likely, less likely. I didn't mention the Suns because we've already played the Suns. I guess if you were saying would more likely or less likely you see the Suns again, I'd probably throw that in that less likely category. So I'd say Warriors, Suns, Nuggets, Clippers, all in that less likely category. And the more likely category, Pelicans and Grizzlies. Maybe we have an addendum to the, like an add, I shouldn't say an addendum, an add-on to that Pelicans Grizzly. I have an interesting topic, I think, for Mitch and I on Wednesday to discuss. So we'll, uh, we'll save that for Mitch and I. Um, I don't know if I need any sorts of Chuck's Corner. I, I think the only thing I was going to say is just, man, nothing's more frustrating than trying to manage your time. I, I think we all deal with it. I think it's not easy for anybody I would love it if you guys have any time management hacks because um, I'm just bad at it. Like there's a reason why this podcast is getting up at probably it'll be 930 when it's all said and done. And it's no fault but my own. And yeah, it's, it's really frustrating uh, when you're trying to get so much done, so much in. Uh, but that's life. And you just think what I'm trying to get better at is not being so hard on myself when things don't go the way the way that I want, but yeah, it's like I mean I'm ter- I've been awful about Christmas shopping, um, done a bad job there. Like I like get- giving gifts, but I also like feel like I'm rushed every year. And this year I felt it was going to be different because I you know wasn't working in retail anymore, and I was like oh I have more time, and it has not worked out that way, which is okay. Uh, that happens, right? And so yeah, it's just been it's been an interesting couple of weeks uh, here at Casa Day. Day well, I was gonna say Casa Day Snow Tap. I guess I could uh, Casa Day Tap in the keg. Uh, but yeah, we're we're soldiering on, man, and we're trying to figure it out. And hopefully, we'll keep bringing out the uh, the funky beats, if you will. Uh, we have two shows. The rest of I'm, this is my last uh, solo show for the week, by the way. Uh, so I am going to be doing a keg jam with Shannon tomorrow. Uh, so we're going to do our usual 10 songs, check in. Uh, we haven't done one, I think in about three weeks, four weeks. I can't remember the last one we did, uh, but we'll do our 10 songs. We'll add it to the playlist. We'll have a good time. Uh, so, and you can subscribe to that pod, that playlist on Spotify uh, if you haven't already. Uh, if you wanted more songs, you'll get them this week. And then Mitch and I on our usual Wednesday uh, tape, we tape Wednesday night, Thursday. So our usual Thursday show. Uh, so that'll be for Thursday. And then your boy is out of town for Friday. So there will be no Friday show. Uh, we'll be back Monday to talk about Bucks, or about you know, the Bucks weekend, Rams Packers, the whole kit and caboodle on Monday. And we'll get into that on Monday's show. And yeah, well, we should have a full week of shows heading up into Christmas. And then I think we're gonna do a tap in the keg on Monday morning. Uh, Christmas, a day after Christmas, so Boxing Day. Uh, Mitch and I just getting get a cup of coffee and talking through Buck Celtics, talking through Packers, Dolphins, and so then we don't we don't have to tape Christmas night. I know you'll want the immediacy, but you're all off on on Monday, so it's not like you're grinding in the cubes Monday morning looking for that podcast. So that will likely be sort of the thought process here for the next next few weeks. All right. Take care. Uh, We'll talk to you tomorrow on Keg Jams and the next day on Tapping the Keg. Y'all have a good rest of the week and we'll see you tomorrow. See you. Bye.